2: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy?
3: Fall Guy. Poster set.
2: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out because
4: nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right
1: now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG 13.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
3: It's the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Jack Kelly and welcome along to the show. Today, we're going to be discussing the Capital Cup game between Fulham women and AFC Wimbledon women. The result, it did finish Fulham 1, AFC Wimbledon 3. I'm joined by Stephen Sheldrake. How are you?
0: Hey guys, yeah, absolutely buzzing, Jack. It was a brilliant uh, atmosphere at the cottage and looking forward to diving into it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And making her pod debut, Elizabeth Barnard, how are you?
2: I'm amazing. How are you guys? All good?
3: Yeah, very well, thank you. (laughs) What a great occasion today was for a number of reasons. And of course, since the reform in 2014, it's the first time the women have played at Craven Cottage um, in front of what was about 3,140-something fans, all in the Johnny Haynes, making a great noise. And Elizabeth, I'll start with you um what a cracking occasion and regardless of the result it was just fantastic to see wasn't it
2: yeah it was amazing i actually found it like really moving um yeah. seeing all the women come out at the beginning of the game um to play like it's not something that i've seen before as my time like going to fulham regularly um obviously as you mentioned it's their first time since the reform um and yeah i was really moved and seeing so many um women and young women in the stands and young girls was just really amazing
3: it was fantastic. And and not only that, you sort of had the uh, the traditional pre-match routine, the music at Craven Cottage, Ivan Berry uh, uh, leading the teams out with, with his voice. And um, Stephen, that was a really special moment entering the field of play. And it was a very friendly atmosphere, of course, because Wimbledon fans were amongst Fulham fans and it just felt very, um, just very good.
0: Yeah, it's a different experience, you know, same game, but different experience for... A number of reasons and mostly very positive ones you know the atmosphere you can sense straight away is a lot more family friendly um it's a lot less like abuse and it's a very it's a lot more of a supportive environment and it's really nice it kind of like of course I love the men's game you know I've been watching it since I was born but um there is you know elements of uh, a bit of you know toxicity every every now and then that you hear that you don't really like about the game but we kind of just try and move on but with this you know with women's football it's just so um it's so welcoming uh friendly fun and like it's so important that we see it grow and grow and this is a really significant you know fixture and something I hope we can see a lot more of at Craven Cottage because I believe strongly that the appetite is certainly there now
3: if you didn't know F women in the league above um Fulham at this current moment. So that extra quality did show and but what was great was that the the pace of the game was very frantic, especially with the early goal, which sort of set the tone, Elizabeth. And um it was a well taken goal down at the Putney end. And um it it wasn't the start we would have wanted at home at Cottage in front of our own fans. But um again, like the occasion, it was just so special. But again, not the, the most ideal start.
2: No, not at all. And I really think it took the wind out of the sails of the Fulham players a little bit. Like I felt heads drop. Um, and before that, they, like I felt like the teams were quite evenly matched. Um, but that's not to say that Fulham didn't come back. And I agree with you. Like I think AFC Wimbledon's quality really showed, especially in the final third, just being that tier above Fulham. Um, but Fulham didn't embarrass themselves at all. I thought they put in an amazing performance.
3: Mm. The game was competitive from start to finish, Stephen. And obviously going a goal down early isn't great, but the response was okay. There was a few chances. And what was great about this was there was so much encouragement when Fulham would enter even the final third. So much anticipation for a chance. And I, I thought that really spurred the, the players on.
0: Atmosphere was electric, full of positivity. Everyone was backing the players, which you don't see in, you know, most football games. Like Uh, They always had their back. And that was the main thing. It meant that, you know, regardless of the result, everyone knew that, you know, the team were giving everything they had out on the pitch and the fans were supporting them every step of the way. And it was really magical. Uh, And as you say, when when the chances did come, it was really special. There was a a real level of excitement, even just for every little, like, nitty-gritty tackle, like, you know, uh, piece of positive play. It was just... um, really exciting to be a part of and you could really feel that you could really feel that everyone was behind the team and you know when we went a goal down that it was a, just this mutual respect you know like everyone appreciated it was a really good goal all the fans are mixed in together there's absolutely no animosity it was just like okay well that's actually a great goal let's get going and um you know get back in this and it was a really close game and um yeah very very good first half as well there were a few
3: flying tackles in that first half, even the second half as well. It was a well-contested con- game where obviously it's a cup game. You both want to win. So both teams are really going for it. But I thought that was great to see the competitiveness, um, Elizabeth.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I really thought there were a couple of players specifically that stood up who were like continuously making tackles. Um, I thought Lily Lambert in the middle, um, the number 10 role. She was so industrious with what she was doing, working so hard to Tackle and to get the ball back for Fulham. It was a really great competitive atmosphere, um, and exactly what we want to be seeing really at the Cottage.
3: Yeah, it was fantastic to see um, Stephen. The second goal, I think it came from an error in midfield for, from our point of view, and, and they sort of countered and, and and sort of made use of the space and, and put it away in the Putney end. Disappointing, and to be fair, at two 0 down, you are thinking we're, we're in trouble here. But heads didn't drop, uh, like you say, the crowd was always on our side. Uh, and And it sort of spurred us on to, to where we got the goal back we'll come onto to in a, in a little in a little while but um frustrating way to concede, but again like, the support was fantastic, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, you could tell from the get go that Wimbledon had um an edge over us, you know being a whole tier above you know the difference between the championship and the Premier League is like you know I know it's a bit different, but you could just imagine that kind of level um Uh, that step up and and the thing that I noticed first and foremost was the physicality of Wimbledon Mm. Uh, they just seemed a little bit more powerful um, and they seemed to be winning a few more headers you know um, and they just offered a bit more of a a bigger physical challenge so it felt like the team uh, had a lot to try and cope with that challenge in that first half especially that initial stage of the game and you know what it's like conceding an early goal it's always really difficult against tough opposition uh, which is why, you know, the response um, was so great. You know, as soon as that goal went in, both the teams went over to the managers and had a kind of mini pep talk before half halftime. Mm. Um, but obviously, whatever the manager said worked because we uh, came up with an instant response.
3: Elizabeth, would you say that on, on balance of the game that it was an even game? Or do you think that Wimbledon had the best of it? Because I, I saw it as a fact that, that when every, every time Fulham came forward, they did look threatening. They just m- lacked that quality in the final third, lacked that quality in the in the box. Um, of which Wimbledon which Wimbledon took away their chances. Um, but you, you can't take anything away. from. I think they gave 100%. They, they put everything out there on the pitch, really.
2: Yeah, you could definitely tell how much it meant to the players playing at Craven Cottage and playing in the Cup. Um, and I thought, I agree with you, like I thought that the distribution of chances was quite equal and the sort of attacking play was equal on kind of both sides. It's just that Wimbledon had a bit more of a clinical edge. Yeah. Um, and took a couple of chances that maybe Fulham missed um down their other end. And it just meant that the score ended what it did. But it wasn't a result that um, embarrassed Fulham by any means. It wasn't like we were walked over at all. I was mm-hmm. really, really impressed.
3: Let, let's talk quickly about um, Mary Southgate, the captain. Of course, she was the one who came on and, and and gave the trophy to the men's team when we won the championship last season. That was a really emotional moment for her so how would she been feeling Stephen today walking out of Craven Cottage captaining this the team and, and putting in a really good performance
0: I mean I think she'll be feeling nothing but pride really um to have the opportunity to step up on the big stage like that um and from what I've been seeing on on Twitter and all the reactions from the players is just that like while they're disappointed with the result of course um they gave everything and they just you know said the atmosphere and the fans were electric, and it was so like overwhelming at times, but like in such a good positive way, so you know I think she's gonna be so proud. I think it's so good that uh, like you said, she presented the cup to the men's team as well, and i uh, you know, as I was mentioned earlier, just more of the same please the more the more we can do games like this, the more awareness we can spread about the game and you know um give give the teams a platform um the better and it's it's such an exciting time and um I hope. As I said earlier, this is the first of many uh, women's fixtures we can all enjoy at the Cottage. Especially, what else are we doing on a Sunday other than eating roasts? So. <laughs> mm. Agreed, agreed. Uh, I
3: think that that was probably the, the lesson we all learnt from the, today's game, despite the result, Elizabeth, that the occasion was the, the more important thing. The fact the matter is that this is the first time they've played at Craven Cottage since the reform and to have those fans and their families and their friends at, um, at the stadium must have meant the world to them.
2: Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like, as I said, I found it really emotional, actually, Um, seeing them all come out and seeing the makeup of the fans in the crowd. Like, I was sat in Block B and in front of me were a group of, like, really young girls, um, probably about five or six. Um, And they'd all come with their families for, like, the big day out to watch films women and get their face painted. And it's just really lovely to think, like, people of my generation and older than me haven't had consistent coverage of the women's game as they've been growing up. Um, And that's a real shame. But like for the next generation, it's not lost. Like if we continue to do things like this, and obviously coverage is growing nationally and elsewhere, it means that girls growing up now really can believe that they can participate in football and sports, uh, which I just think is so important.
3: I think that was one of my main takeaways from the game. I was obviously surrounded by um, young people, young girls watching the game, and they were just getting so excited about, you know, just being there the occasion every time Fulham came forward and, I think that's something they'll take away, and you know they'll look up to those Fulham players as their, you know, their heroes, and hopefully maybe want to get into the game, to playing football, to watching football, and it just it creates a great community, and it helps the women's game grow, especially on the Fulham side of things as well, because that, again, like I said, it's the first game at the cottage for 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 so many, years, I think twenty years as well. So, um, let's get on to the goal because that was obviously the, the the big highlight of the of the uh, of the day. Uh, it was a great goal actually from Georgia um, Hesman. I, I think Stephen. She looked second favourite to get to the ball as the ball came into the box. And then she managed to poke it into the corner in front of the Hammers of End as well. Obviously, there's no fans in Hammers of End, but to <laughs> score in front of the Hammers of End is, is, is a big occasion, is, is a big deal. And to get that goal just before half time gave us a little bit of initiative um going into that second half.
0: Definitely. Uh yeah, she, yeah, Georgia Heisman, man- she managed to squeeze in between the defender and the keeper and just like slot it home, mm. which was really nice uh we seem to be making a habit of scoring those kind of goals it, it's quite reminiscent of the uh goal we got against united as well huh. um but yeah yeah it was a really well worked move obviously the manager um steve jay uh, obviously said some magical words just before that going into half time you know uh sneaking that goal and it changed the whole dynamic for the second half uh, and just to like jump back to the point elizabeth made i thought um yeah, I thought Lily Lambard was uh, definitely player of the match for me today. You know, small, agile, really strong, uh, very comfortable on the ball, uh, a real pleasure to watch. Um, and one other player that stood out for me in particular was uh, Wimbledon's number 15, which was uh, Gloria Cyber their left winger. She was just making insane runs up the wing, um, you know, always forward thinking. And being sat at the Johnny Haines stand, you can get a really good view of that. Um, and I think she was their biggest threat going forward and the one causing us a lot of issues on that left wing. Um, and yeah, yeah. So it, it, we were full of optimism going into the to the second half, um, knowing, you know, we were still in the game, which was the most important thing. Um, and yeah, it was great. The, the fact it was a consolation is is by the by. It was the fact that
3: it was the first goal scored at Craven Cottage for all these years. Um, and to celebrate it with the fans was such a fantastic thing um, for everyone to experience. So going into that second half, Elizabeth, what were you thinking? You thinking we're going to turn this around and make this a famous day uh, on top of obviously the occasion itself? um, Or did you think, you know, we're still going to be in trouble here because they've got the superior quality? um, Because at 2-1, it's finally in the balance, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I actually thought, like, maybe I'm just naturally a bit of an optimist, but I really thought we had the better of it for quite a lot of the second half. And I thought there were a few occasions, um, I'm sure we'll get on to what happened right at the end, but it looked like, how did those balls not go in, you know? Like, um, I really thought we could make it happen. Um, but yeah, it wasn't to be our day, but I thought the team did really well. Like, they played with, on the front foot, looking for that equaliser, looking to get the game back to into the balance. Um, I thought it was really impressive.
3: And of course, the third goal sort of is the sucker punch, isn't it, Stephen? It's the one that doesn't necessarily end the game, but it, um, it did put doubts in everyone's mind as to whether Fulham would get through today. Um, it was a well-taken goal, to be fair. And um, it was just one of those ones where it was quite easily avoided, but but the finish was unerring, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, all, all three of the goals for Wimbledon were very um, strong, powerful finishes. I'm not sure the keeper could do much about any of them, to be honest. Um, you know, worked across the goal smacked into the bottom corner like good team goals and and going back to that point about them being physical and just a little bit more clinical they were able to um yeah take those chances um that you know on another day we don't concede that early goal could be a completely different game um uh, but you know it's 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 as right as you know it's great for those Wimbledon players as well to be playing out on that Craven quite as pitch let's not forget you know it's a mm. big occasion for them um and hopefully this will only inspire the team to um come back stronger, you know, work harder um, and, you know, let's get Fulham back to the the levels that, of the team, you know, in the leagues that are what they deserve to be in, you know, it's a really exciting time um, and I only I only learned today about the fact that um, yeah, Wimbledon were formed in 1974 as the Friends of Fulham so oh. um, that's interesting <laughs> so basically it was Fulham v Fulham really so ah. we're, we're all winners here <laughs> It's a very local clash to
3: be fair um, yeah. Wimbledon AFC Wimbledon is my local team. It's about 20 minutes down the road from me and um, it was nice to see sort of... I've never seen obviously Fulham play AFC Wimbledon before at any level, men or women. Ah. So it was nice to see today.
0: I went um, to... Um, sorry, I to interject. I went to uh, AFC Wimbledon v. Fulham in a friendly oh, yeah. many years ago. Kings it was Fulham Reserves. At King's Meadow, yeah. Mm. And of course, AFC have moved out now, haven't they? Yeah, they're at Plough Lane now. Plough Lane now, yeah, yeah.
3: There were a flurry of chances at the end. In fact, the second half was... I would describe as a lot of, I wouldn't say pot shots, but there were a lot of efforts from outside the area that just sailed over. But the end was a little bit frantic, Elizabeth. What did you make of it?
2: Oh, it's just desperate for Fulham to get a goal, to be honest. Like, um, I was lucky that I was in um, block B of Johnny Haynes. So when they came around and celebrated after the first goal, you know, that was right in front of where I was sitting. Um, but I wanted it so badly for the other end. Mm. And like, sometimes you just have one of those days, like you're unlucky, the goal seems to lead a bit of a charmed life in those moments, um, but yeah, it takes nothing away from you know Fulham's attacking. Um, Fulham's attacking, like go and get it if you get what I mean.
3: Mm. A lot of proud, uh, a lot of pride today. Um, definitely will be felt, Stephen, um, especially from the manager Steve J. Um, what do you think? How do you think he'll be feeling after that one?
0: Oh, it's just yeah, pride. No, nothing but pride. I think they did themselves really proud today and I think they've highlighted to the club how important the women's team is to us fans as well. You know, over 3000 people in attendance. Um it just shows that there is a huge appetite for it and as long as the club cater for the fans and give them the platform um to grow, then I think you know this is really exciting. Um It's little things like, I understand there was a load of work put in to get this at Crane Cottage today, so like hats off to whoever managed to make it happen, the club, and the brilliant opportunity. But, you know, why stop there? Um, And there's always more they could do. So I I saw Fulham women for the first time last year, twice, because they were playing in Worthing, Uh, so it would be a crime if I didn't go and see that. I then went over to Motspur Park to watch them, um, and both the occasions were fantastic. it was like little details. Like when I went to Watson Park, they weren't selling any food or drink and there were a lot of families there. And I was like, Oh, that's quite surprising. And then today was a massive step up, but like they just weren't prepared for the numbers because, um, we went down the concourse, uh, uh, before the half finished and we didn't actually get served until the start of the second half and they'd run out of all the food and everything. So I don't know if like, we just like sold so many more tickets than they were expecting maybe on the day. But just going back to the point that let's keep doing this good work. Let's not go, oh, yeah, you remember, you know, that game we had at Crane us When's the next one going to be? And like, you know, let's continue to elevate the game because it it definitely deserves the platform and the hunger and desire is there from the fans.
3: Yeah, I was just going to build on that point you made, um, Elizabeth. Like now there's an appetite for the women's game to be held at Craven Cottage with, you know, a a crowd of 3,000. Maybe there is an opportunity to open up maybe the new Riverside stand and have people there and they can experience that for the first time for a reasonable price as well for a ticket. Um, you, you look at the WSL now um, and obviously the, the TV deal it's got and it's getting so much more traction, which is fantastic to see. I know we're a long way off that in terms of Fulham, but but is there scope now to start looking forward and going, there is a path, there is a way we can get there?
2: Yeah, well, I think like obviously um, the teams and the players in the WSL didn't come from... You know, it didn't necessarily come from being having loads of money and having those TV deals. That's something that's progressed over time. Right. Um, and obviously the Euros this summer, like it would be a crime not to mention them because that brought so much, shed so much light on the women's game and what the women can do that the boys can't. And like mm-hmm. that was such an achievement and an occasion in this country. Um and now seeing like record-breaking attendances at WSL games, like it does show there's an appetite and it does show that the only way is really up and Fulham just need to keep going and keep pushing, keep holding grains like this at Craven Cottage, getting the traction, advertising it on the website. And while the men's games are going on, I saw the banners uh, in the Man United game mm. that were like, you know, Fulham women v AFC Wimbledon women. Um, Just keep going because like the only way is up.
3: Fantastic to see. And obviously... We hope that, you know, maybe two, three, four years down the line, we're getting closer to the w s o and, and, you know, we can imagine selling out Craven Cottage. It would be absolutely unbelievable with that brand new stand in the Hammersmith end,
0: the putt in the end. It would be fantastic. Stephen, any final thoughts on the game? Yeah, just like, you know, if there's any of the players and coaching staff listening to this, just like a huge congratulations. I think, you know, everyone should be really proud. You know, it's a moment in history today that, um, we're all really proud to be a part of, and enjoy, and watch, and hopefully this will be the, like I say, the catalyst into the future of really exciting times. And I think there is loads the club can do, and and things to um, help increase that exposure, and um, and it's just so crucial, you know, it, it, like you say, the TV deals, Elizabeth, is all about um, the exposure of the sport because you know children then watching the World Cup getting inspired, and then you know there is still so many schools out there that don't have. Um, Uh, female football teams which seems extremely unfair um but you you know you appreciate there's demand um and uh, availability and whatnot but now hopefully we're getting to a stage where every young girl can see their idols on tv be inspired and have the opportunities they deserve and the more exposure we're doing the more of this um the more awareness we're raising then hopefully like you say jack in a few years time we're going to be getting new players coming through and the talent is only going to get better and better and better. Um, and I really hope Fulham could be at the forefront of it. And uh, we look back on this podcast, going, "Wow, you know what a day that was," and and how we kind of prepared ourselves from there. And it's really exciting. And just yeah, hats off to everyone involved. And Elizabeth, finally, do you think we'll we'll see another occasion like this where Craven Cottage is uh,
3: is hosting a, a game of uh, women's football?
2: Yeah, I really think we will. I think today was such a success. The atmosphere was lovely. Like having seeing so many families. Um, and young people and it felt so safe and so welcoming um, and the team are amazing they put in such a performance um, I like don't see how the club couldn't have another one of these super scene um, so yeah I'm really excited for it.
3: Absolutely you always think of Fulham as a, as a family club and um, definitely today that's Definitely underpinned it with, with the amount of children there with their mums and dads and uncles and aunties, etc. It was fantastic to see. We're going to take a little break there afterwards. Sammy will be speaking to Jack and Loz all about their new book. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening
5: May 5th
1: Part two of the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here. Thank you very much to Jack for analysing the women's game. And I'm very excited to be joined by familiar voices here on the podcast. But it's been a while since we've heard from them. Jack and Loz from the Jack and Loz blog. How are you doing, guys?
5: We're good, thank you. Very
1: good. Oh well, thanks so much for coming on and really exciting because you have a brand new book caught in possession the uh the difficult second book um, but i'm sure you guys uh, found it a doddle um we'll come on to discussing that in a bit i'm um, so excited to hear uh, where you've gone with the uh with the tales of uh fictional fulham this time but um first of all um jack i thought um it'd be good to hear what you guys have made of the season so far um so many of us read your Words, but it'd be nice to hear your uh, your thoughts on uh, and how we are at this halfway stage with uh, a nice six weeks to uh, lick our wounds after those two late defeats.
5: So overall, I think we're really happy with with how the season's gone. I, I certainly am. I know that particularly last weekend, losing to Man United in the way we did, it was really disappointing and we were sighing over our glasses of wine afterwards. But um, if you'd offered us ninth place and 19 points back in August I think every Fulham fan would have bitten your hand off because it's incredible there we are top half of the table could be higher could have more points you know it's all swings and roundabouts some things have worked out some things haven't but so far so good really good first first half of the season brilliant performances from the new guys the older guys the the championship team all stepping up as well it's it's been fantastic to watch
1: Yeah, Loz, what's your uh, highlight of the season been? There's so many to choose from, isn't there? You think back to the very first game against Liverpool. That was brilliant. The last minute winner against Brentford had some amazing away days. The Forest win, the Leeds win. Um, There's been a lot of highlights throughout it all. So yeah, it's interesting to know what your kind of personal high point was.
4: I think it's that meshing of that. The championship players who are, as Jack says, really stepping up and the new guys. I mean... To see Polina play on Sunday was honestly one of the best games of football and, and the, a player's performance that actually is, it sort of surpasses some other great names. I mean, I remember the first time we saw Mr. Dembele play, just going, oh my God, he's amazing. And it's, he's just of that ilk. And it's just the passion that he plays with and just the aggression and the, and the flair. Um, so I think it's individual performances, people like him and um, the guy next to me on Sunday said, yeah, we'll only have him for another six months. And I said, but we've got Marco Silva, like, you know, as if that's going to be hopefully the thing that might keep him. Like, so who knows? But so, uh, yeah, some of the results. But that last goal against Brentford, of course, you know, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's it's been brilliant. The, the the fact that we're not watching boring football, as Jack says, we've got 19 points on the table. But, you know, it's a tight league. It's a funny old season. So, um, you know, there's no standout bad teams. I mean, you've obviously got, you know, Forest down the bottom and Wolves and Southampton. But there's, there's not a lot of points between everybody just yet. But we've just got to keep going. And we can... You know, put in performances against any team. So it's, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Loving it.
1: Yeah. Jackie, um, at what point will you start to think that maybe Fulham definitely will stay up? Because I'm so like, Yeah. Okay. We're on 19 points. It's been a good 15 games, but I I am still not going to say to anyone, oh yeah, we're definitely staying up because I just can't have that confidence. I think maybe it's going to be maybe a point or two before we're confirmed mathematically safe, where I'll start being confident because for me, we've been burnt so many times before that you just got to maybe take it one game at a time, but it's hard not to get carried away in these moments, isn't it?
5: Yeah, no, I'm the same. I keep sort of looking at Things people produce from past seasons, and you think crumbs. Nobody who's been ninth with 19 points after this many games has ever gone down before. But you know, there's always a first time, and that could well be Fulham. So, yeah, I think none of us as Fulham fans we 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 don't get ahead of ourselves. We're not going to get carried away. We're not going to really start believing we're definitely staying up until it's an almost certain done deal. But it does all feel really positive. And I think we've all got a bit swept up in that. And, the, you know, the atmosphere at the cottage has been so great. Having players like Polinio, as, as Los said, to w- watch him is fantastic. So um, I think, yeah, everyone's really enjoying this season.
1: Yeah. Uh, and loss what's it been like uh, on the blog this year? Um, you guys have been doing it for such a long time now. You must feel like it's part of your kind of like weekly routines is to get this blog up as quickly as possible so many people are anticipating it particularly after home matches but i know you guys also do do some away blogs as well so yeah um how's it been writing the blog this year
4: uh, well, uh, Jackie does most of the hard work, I have to say. <laughs> but we 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 talk through, you know, the sort of highlights, lowlights, whatever after the match. I think um, trying to do it for a midweek match is pretty difficult when you've got a full time job as well. So that's not easy. Um, so it's easier when they're weekend matches. But um, uh, no, it's great to have the following, and I, I think what's really good is that people really interact um and if someone disagrees with our man of the match that's fine this is just our view on who we think is man of the match or who we think the you know deserves a special mention and actually having that interaction is really good because we're not saying that we are the arbiters and that you know what we say is right we're just giving our view on um what we think is a sort of a, a rounded perspective, but it's still our view. Um, but it, it's great to have have the commentary, and that's what makes it really, I think, sort of like very satisfying. And uh, and for people to, you know, that sort of can really relate to the non football or you know the sort of non game related stuff that we might talk about, and particularly people that don't get to go to the matches. So I know that a lot of people abroad love listening to the pod, and that's because you really feel part of it. So so yeah, so it's it's great the reaction.
1: Yeah, nothing quite encapsulates um, a home match day like you guys. Where, where you're drinking, what you're eating, what you're feeling, uh, what the weather's like. I think, um, I think you guys, that's the best thing about the blog for me is just living vicariously through it. And when I've missed home games this year, I feel there's always an extra oomph to the to the blog, because if I'm at a match, I can't, I knew what the weather was. I knew what I drank, I knew what I did. But when I'm not there, it's always a way of kind of living through you guys and you, and you really paint a picture in words, which I'm sure is the idea. Uh, speaking of painting pictures with words, um, let's talk about the book, Caught in Possession, which is the follow up to Crossing the Line, which you released uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I absolutely loved reading Crossing the Line, so I can't wait to to get a copy of of Caught in Possession. And if anyone's listening to this that isn't aware of Jack and Loz's first book, um, Crossing the Line was fiction, but reality. Um, It was a story, a fictional story, all based around Fulham Football Club but you're reading it thinking, this could just be a simulation. Like I could actually see nine out of ten things here happening. It was a, it was a brilliantly done. You kind of encapsulated lots of real elements of the club, but just put a, a bit of a um, fictional twist on it. I mean, some of the things that you actually wrote in crossing the line almost came true. Uh, a Portuguese manager, um, which uh, you you wrote before Marco Silva uh, came on board, and lots of other weird coincidences for that first book. But yeah, Jack, talk us through uh, the new book, Caught in possession i know once again it's uh, it's based around uh tales fictional tales around fulham so yeah what's uh, what's in store for those who are, are going to pick up their second uh, jack and laws novel
5: so without giving too much weight this the sequel kind of starts um quite shortly after crossing the line finished so fulham are now in a different league and um in a different competition abroad as well so um we we wanted to i suppose relive the european tours that we had previously and that's what we've tried to do so it's got a bit of a sort of travelog element to it as jack and laws follow the team around europe and um there's various mishaps and dramas along the way all the uh all the old characters are back um grappling with the pressures of elite sport and um there's there's a few new elements with with some of the kind of topical stuff that's come out around the, the world cup with the focus on um players' private lives we've we, we've focused on that a bit as well so hopefully there's something for everyone i mean it, it's it's a it's a football book but not just for football fans.
1: Last time that you came on Fulhamish and you were kind of talking about the first book, there was an element of a bit trepidation for you guys because you wrote this book that you had no idea whether people would pick it up, enjoy it, think it was great, weird, whatever. You had such a good reaction to that first book. You only have to look now at kind of the reviews that you guys got for that first one. I mean, it 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 was so brilliantly done, but it was... It's quite novel. It was quite unique. It's not, it's not something that I've seen many other football bloggers do. I, I mean, it must have been so amazing to to put something out into the world, bravely so, and then kind of get such a warm, positive feedback to it as you did. Uh, yeah, I mean, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it could have gone the other way, but thank God. No, the reaction was
4: really Positive and and what's been really nice about it is um, like the, the the people that sit round us in the Hammy End uh, have all read it and so they over the last season have been saying to us when's the sequel out? There are lots of loose lines here. We want to know what's happening to Marco and and what about Zach Miller? You know, it's like you know, is he going to be okay? And 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 it's been really funny. Like and it, literally, when they were in the middle of the book they were sort of like speculating as to what was going to happen, and it was just so nice and so satisfying. And so, um, so yeah, it's fun. And actually, I mean, you know, other sort of like friends and family have read it that aren't even into football, and actually, they sort of read it a bit reluctantly because they thought, oh god, like they've written this football book, you know, Jack and Laws, and like they're football mad. Um, and actually, uh, I don't think they were just sort of like blowing smoke at us, but they said. They really liked it because it's a tale of like familiar themes, rivalry, money, you know, commercialism, uh, stresses and strains of players' lives, um, you know, scrutiny, politics. So that's, sort of, if you have a decent plot, then you can bring people along. Uh, and the football is very, uh, integral to it so it's all it is all around the matches but and the matches obviously have consequences and the results of those matches but we all know that, in, that football you know listen look at the world cup the themes are there about the competition there's corruption there's you know the, but there's highlights you know players that will come through and make their names in the world cup or, but there's also ones that will be under the spotlight for maybe not positive reasons so as long as you get a good plot, then you'll bring people along. And, the, and Jack and I just have such fun doing it. We sort of like work it out and we sort of like try and um, make it as sort of interesting as possible, but it's very lighthearted. I mean, you know, there might be a new player that might have a touch of a Jack Greenish about him. You know, like it's, 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 you know, it is done from a um, a very lighthearted, not serious sort of like perspective and,
1: Hopefully it's entertaining and people like it. I, I can't quite understand how you guys came up with everything, how you managed to, to plot it out, Jack. I mean, that's the kind of like, level of creativity that I just almost can't comprehend. What, what, what is the planning that goes into this book? Is it, is it you and Loz round, up, round a glass of wine with a massive pin board? Is that, is that loosely it, trying to work out the themes and the strings between the characters? Is, 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 uh, is, it, is, uh, is it what I imagine?
5: It's, it's exactly as you imagine, but without the pinboard. There's only the wine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Can we just give a, a shout out as well to Jozo for their fantastic cover?
1: Yes.
4: Because I, I sort of said if you can judge a book by the cover, it's yes. brilliant. Yes,
1: Jozo Collection. If you like the Fulamish logo, uh, you'll uh, you'll know then that uh, Jozo Collection are the uh, are the geniuses behind uh, Fulamish's graphics and designs. And yeah, they uh, all, they created the, uh, the the cover for the first one and the cover for the second one. Then and, and it is amazing. But yeah. Um, Jackie, um, the the book is available kind of everywhere, uh, paperback or or Kindle edition that uh, that people want to get it.
5: Yeah, it's available on Amazon and the the link to it is in our Twitter bio. It's on our website. And if you just put caught in possession into the search bit in Amazon, it will
1: come up. Also, as a link uh, in the description of this podcast as well. If you want to get it, get it in time for Christmas. I-, I said this the last time with the first book, but if you've got a, uh, a, a, Child in your family, a Fulham fan that maybe doesn't know what to read, etc. Or maybe you're going on holiday yourself, and you're like, oh, I don't know what book to pick up. I like, but you love Fulham, then you could do absolutely uh, no worse than uh, than picking up a copy of of this book. It is brilliant. And um, obviously, by the time this podcast goes out, uh, the uh, the Fulham women's game at Craven Cottage will have happened against AFC Wimbledon Laws. But I know that you're both going, and uh, I imagine you're very very excited. To to uh, witness a bit of Fulham history really on Sunday, isn't it? The first Fulham women's game at Craven Cottage um, in over 20 years. And um, yeah, it's just a really exciting development for the club to be able to host a game like this with with several thousand fans going as well. It's going to be a really, really special day.
4: Yeah, no, we're really looking forward to it. I think they've got everyone in the um, Johnny Hanks stand, haven't they? So that would be good to everyone sort of, as a collective it's what they deserve, to be honest. I think, you know, you, you're inevitably going to get more people there if it's at the cottage or on the Motspur. And um, having seen the national women's team do so well, there's so much more interest now. Um, so, yeah, we want to support them and get behind them. I think, Jackie, they sort of did ask for a blog, didn't they, if was, um a, a chance of doing that, so that would be really
5: Thanks, nice we but, did. Uh, yeah. yeah so, a, so there should be a to...
1: blog up pretty much now when people are listening to this.
5: That is the intention. it's obviously going to be a bit more of a challenge than we're used to because we we recognize the men in, in in the team so well that you only have to glance at them and know who's who and what they're going to do and where they're going to be and obviously we don't know the ladies quite as well so um yeah it's it's going to be a challenge, but we're looking forward to it.
1: Oh, well then that's definitely something to check out and obviously uh if you enjoyed the analysis uh, in part one of this podcast then no doubt you'll uh, definitely enjoy the analysis of uh, jack and loz as well well guys thank you so much for coming on really best of luck i know the book will fly off the shelves or fly off the virtual shelves um these days so um yeah thank you for coming on and um best of luck with it and uh, hopefully, see you guys soon
5: thank you thanks for me